sought the Lord fervently, and he gave generously. And somehow, and in some, under God's, in God's divine plan and his favor, God set in motion a powerful, a powerful move, a powerful thing, um, as we'll look at here in Acts chapter 10. So the context here is it's a Jewish, largely Jewish church up to this point, early church, um, mostly Jewish background uh, um, believers. Leadership was all Jewish. Um, there were a lot of, ro- a lot of uh, walls that needed to be broken down. But you know how God takes us through processes? He doesn't just all of a sudden change things up sometimes. He takes us through these processes so that walls get chipped away and get, get broken down gradually. Um, but there were some pretty momentous events leading up to this, the, uh, the stoning of Stephen and, and uh, the conversion of Saul, now, you know, who, who, uh, who was uh, Paul, and just uh, dramatic conversion. And, and then the scattering, after the stoning of Stephen, the scattering of the believers, there was persecution broke out, and then all the believers were scattered. And so God was setting in motion things that were, hap- things that were taking place in order to finally come to this point of bringing the gospel to the Gentile world in a way unprecedented, never happened before, the house of Cornelius. And so this is a narrative in the book of Acts that gets, it's more, it's the, it's a narrative that gets the most attention in the book of Acts. This, this story here about Cornelius and Peter's encounter with Cornelius. So it's a really, I think God uh, had in mind that he wants us to, to know, he, he wants uh, us to hear something here tonight, and I just believe he has a word for us tonight. So let's just uh, commit to that to the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And thank you, Lord, as we sung tonight, word of God, word of God, speak. Word of God, speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so the gospel had not yet been brought in, you know, they, they have had not been brought to the Gentiles, and really the church at this point had not bought into the fact that God wants Gentiles to know him, to have a personal relationship with him. Um, Even though when Jesus came in Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 32, as as Simeon was holding baby Jesus in his arms, he said about Jesus, he would be a light for revelation to the Gentiles. A prophetic word, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel, Luke 2.32. And then it says the Lord, and then in Acts 9, verse 15, when, when the Lord was speaking to Ananias about going to, to Saul, who had persecuted the church, um, he said to him, go, this man, speaking of Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So we're thinking here, okay, it's going to be Paul who takes, who initially takes the gospel to the Gentiles. And he is, he, he is the apostle to the, event, to the Gentiles. He becomes that, but it wasn't initially, it was Peter. And I, I wonder, you know, God, there are a lot of reasons why this could be, but Peter was, was, had, had some interesting, uh, had an interesting personality, right? As as we look at Peter, and um, I just really believe that God chose Peter for a purpose. He became a leader in the church. God said, "On this rock, 
hmm, on his confession of faith that he would build the church. And so um, it, God saw fit that, that Peter was the one to, to go to the house of Cornelius. So it's about, all about going global here. And um, this is where the church, we see it starting to go global. And God wants us as his church, as his people, to go global. Um, sometimes we think that, you know, we have them in the, the perspective of, well, if I, if, I, if I take care of the details here, if I, if I you know, if, I, if I'm obedient in the small things, God will take care of the big picture stuff. And that's, there's a lot of truth to that, but I also really firmly believe that uh, God wants to give us a world, a, a, a heart for the world. He wants to give us the capacity to love the world. And we think, how can that even be? I mean, we, God has the capacity. He's God. But how can he give us that capacity? God, God, it's God's initiative. This is my first point tonight. Going global is about God's initiative, not ours. It's about God's initiative and our obedience. And I think there were some. Did everybody get a handout tonight? I had I had passed some out um, and laid some more on the chair here, but I think someone maybe helped distribute them. So if you don't have one, raise your hand. Anybody doesn't have one? Oh, okay. So it should be. Are there any more over there, Richard? Yeah. Thanks. All right. So it's about God's going global is about God's initiative and our obedience. God and and this you know we've all we've all one of the most common verses in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God's initiative. God so loved the world that he gave. So evangelism is about what God does, what God begins, and it's what he will see to completion. And then Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that speaks of God's initiative, doesn't it? While we were still sinners, we could do nothing. We, there was nothing we could do to pull ourselves up out of the mess we were in, out of the mire, out of the, out of the pit, out of the despair, out of the hopelessness, whatever, whatever type of, of, circumstance or situation we were in God God demonstrated his love while we were still sinners Christ died for us so it's about God's initiative so God sets it in motion he sets the whole process of evangelism and outreach in motion and we already read these first few verses of of chapter 10 here and we were introduced to Cornelius and it's interesting here that after this encounter with the angel of God, it's uh, Cornelius, in obedience to God, sends a delegation out. He sends two of his sol- uh, he sends two of his men, a devout soldier, and these uh, these he sends to go find Peter, because the word of the Lord said, "Send for Peter." So it's interesting here that not only did God uh, God initiate this, but God all, first of all. It's the obedience of a, of a Gentile 
who had not yet come into the kingdom. It's, the, it's his obedience that, that set into motion this, this whole process. And God will use people. God will use people outside the family. God will, there are, how many of you believe tonight? There are God seekers. There are God seekers that are, are desiring more of him in our circles of influence. There are Corneliuses out there in our workplaces, in our community, in our neighborhoods that are sincerely seeking truth. And it's, 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 and we, we have no idea what God is doing to set in motion their lives on a path to salvation. And, and I want to encourage you tonight, you're there in their circle of influence for a reason. Cornelius's need Peter's. Cornelius's need obedient believers who will listen to God's voice and step out in faith. Now, God may have to break down some walls to do that in our thinking and in, and uh, just in, and you'll see, and we'll see that what, what, what God is doing with Peter at the same simultaneously, he's working in Peter's life as he's working in Cornelius's life. How many of you believe that God is doing the same with our, with us? He's working in our lives, setting us up for uh, real time events, you know, that are going to take place. Uh, encounters, divine appointments. And so Cornelius, in obedience to God, he sends a delegation to Peter. And while on the way, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. So while they're on the way to see Peter, Peter, just by some coincidence, goes up on the roof to pray. I don't think so. God is arranging all of this. God is setting into motion things. So Peter's up on the roof. Uh, and listen to this. It says, then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Not, surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. So Peter has this vision. It says he went into a trance, a vision, and, and he has this vision of this sheep being let down by its four corners with all kinds of creepy crawling creatures in it that uh, some of them very detestable to Jews and the Jewish religion that they would even mingle. So it says all kinds of animals. So there are probably some clean animals in there, but also unclean so that they would mingle, be mingled with the with the clean animals and so this picture is is very relevant because uh the jews you know they they had strict laws about this contaminating you know they were they didn't go into a gentile home because how were they guaranteed that the food prepared there was not, was really pure pure clean you know not contaminated by anything unclean so there are a lot of strict rules about this so god has really start really kind of blowing Peter's mind with this, right? This whole vision of clean and unclean mingled together. And uh, so here we have this, uh, here we have this encounter. And uh, notice how God uh, uses repetition. How many of you know God doesn't just, he, he, he's, he's, uh, he pursues us and he, he will use repetition. Uh, with, with, I know he does that with me, you know, gets those, get, I have to keep relearning those lessons and, and get it kind of pounded into my thick, thick skull. And, but God is faithful with Peter to, to, 
to kind of repeat this lesson over, you know, and I don't know, we don't know how long this, this, this vision is taking place, but the voice is speaking to him a first time, second time, a third time, and uh, then the, the sheet was taken back to heaven. So there's this encounter that Peter has, which is very, which has direct application to the fact that he is going to be going next step, going into the house of a Gentile, you know, so... Um, what is, what is, uh, God often takes us into uncomfortable places, right? God often wants to challenge us to step out into, uh, uncomfortable crowds and places and, um, people with people that may be different from us and, and, uh, and, uh, maybe we're not comfortable with. Even we were talking about in our, in our meeting last night, we had a meeting of, uh, leaders and department heads and um, as pastor was sharing we were talking about how um, stepping out of our comfort zones is even just right here what we can do as a body as as, as God's people to step out of our comfort zones we're a family and uh, we we um, it's so cool that we feel so comfortable with each other but let's not forget the fact that someone who comes in as a visitor for the first time doesn't have that privilege of of feeling family that's a process that takes place but what we can do is reach out what we can do is greet them what we can do is is help them to their seat help them find what they need and it's scary it can be scary uh, especially for first-time visitors who've never come before to step into uh, to step into church for the first time so yeah there's a lot we can do as well to um, to bridge to bridge that gap but uh, God uses repetition, and, and so this is my, the main idea here um, that I want to get across on this first point, that it's, it's all about God's initiative. Evangelism is first and foremost God's initiative, and he will go the extra mile to break us free from our religious pride, our judgments about people, and false interpretations of his word, which keep us from going global. And uh, he's, he's good at that. And I believe he's in the process of doing that in my own life. Um, you know, I've crossed lots of barriers in my life going overseas uh, into uh, Muslim countries and working with them and, and, and serving alongside Muslims and, and uh, having at firsthand having these clean, unclean conversations with Muslims coming into my home and, and me going to their home and me offering uh, me, me offering pork to a to a believing uh, to a believing a, a Muslim who was a converted Muslim. He was became a Christian, um, but he had decided still not to eat pork, just because he wanted to have that keep that relationship with his family and 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 uh, friends and not have that as a barrier. So. He was observing that, so I had to be sensitive to that, you know. And so there were there are lots of lots of barriers I've crossed, but now I'm learning how to cross barriers here in the United States after 20 years of being mostly absent. So there's also barriers here, more barriers than than there was 20 years ago when I left the United States, um, because of all the influx of various uh, uh, ethnicities and and religious backgrounds, and so lots of Lots of opportunity to cross barriers. 
And uh, lots of fun doing that if we'll have patience and work with and let the Lord lead us in that. So, so uh, next point. Going global means a shift in values. It means allowing God to really, really um, mess with our value system sometimes. We have lots of things that create, form our values, upbringing, um, uh, preference, personal preferences, um, training that we've had, lots of different things that have formed our values. The Word of God uh, needs to be the one, the main thing that really forms our values, but oftentimes it gets, our values get, uh, we drift, you know, we drift off, and we have to come back to God's Word, what are kingdom values. So Peter had a problem because he couldn't move outside his box, and his capacity to love and accept people from other religious backgrounds and beliefs and and other cultural backgrounds was limited until he encountered God's value system and that changes everything we you know and we and and pastor's been talking about recalibration and re and value sh shifts and changes are, are that's a part of recalibration so we have oftentimes collective that's when we're in a process of recalibration or realignment as a church that's a community process as well as an individual process so God's God's doing something in terms of a shift in values but P Peter had a, had to be confronted with that and so we we too must have these times of recalibration in in values in order to stay on track with God and his agenda so this recalibration and realignment it'll challenge our values and bring us face to face with with our biases and prejudices and all of that and you know and and uh um hopefully as i think if you were if you were here when john muncie preached he said salvation becoming a uh, something up to the a point of be, getting saved will cause us to become colorblind and i like that and uh but sometimes that too is a process. It just all, doesn't always happen immediately. So, so while um, so so Peter meets the, these men. The men from Cornelius uh, come to him, and he go, agrees to go with them to the house of Cornelius. And at that time, Peter, Cornelius was inviting his uh, his family and and f close friends, relatives, to his home because he was expecting a visit from Peter. And so Acts 10, 27, 28, while talking with him, Peter went inside. Okay, so Peter has arrived already at the house of Cornelius. And while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. I wonder tonight, what is God showing you about some unlovable person, somebody that maybe just doesn't, just rubs you the wrong way? Or are we allowing God to show us something 
to look into God's heart, to see God's heart for that individual, that person. God got through to Peter, and Peter said, but God has shown me. And I love that phrase, but God has shown me. Because I can have all the, you know, the issues and the biases and the personal preferences, but when it comes down to it, what has God shown me? What has God shown you? And really, what wasn't what Peter was talking about here, um, about being against their law, or God's law, it really wasn't God's law. It was the Jewish interpretation of God's law that led Peter to believe this. And so, if we, if you look at, I love looking at the Old Testament and seeing glimpses of God's heart for all people. And it's there, and sometimes we think, well, it's only in the New Testament. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And God so loved the world that he gave. And we see it all in the New Testament unfolding, and yet we see glimpses of God's redemptive plan for all the world throughout the Bible, from Genesis all the way through. And so I love seeing these glimpses, and this is one of them in Isaiah 56. It says this, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. Better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners... And that's what Cornelius was, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called, what? For all nations, a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Two words, still others. I love those two words in the Old Testament. I will gather still others. And even today, there are still others. There are Corneliuses out there who have yet to hear the gospel there are Corneliuses out there who have yet to come into an encounter with Christ. There are still others to be gathered in this 11th hour. So God's acceptance of Cornelius' offering, it was fulfillment of his promise to gather in those others. And it's, you know, that uh, I'm wondering, can we believe tonight? that a harvest of still others is connected to us. Amen? There are people connected. There is a harvest connected to each one of our lives. Still others God wants to bring in the kingdom. Still others. Still others. So that the house of God is full. So that each and every seat in this house is full. Because God has a plan to bring in still others. A shift in values. The first, things, the first thing that happens after we have, listen to this, this is powerful, um, and I'm, I'm going to read it all, but the quote I have up there is just a portion of it from Oswald Chambers. 
But I'm going to read the whole thing. The first thing that happens after we have realized our election to God in Christ Jesus is the destruction of our prejudices and our parochial notions and our patriotisms. We are turned into servants of God's own purpose. The whole human race was created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Sin has switched the human race onto another track, but it has not altered God's purpose in the tiniest degree. And when we are born again, we are brought into the realization of God's great purpose for the human race. I am created for God. He made me. This realization of the election of God is the most joyful realization on earth, and we have to learn to rely on the tremendous creative purpose of God. I think this quote is up here. Listen to this. The first thing God will do with us is to force through the channels of a single heart the interests of the whole world. The love of God, the very nature of God is introduced into us, and the nature of Almighty God is focused in John 3.16. God so loved the world. I love that. I love what Oswald Chambers says about God will force through the channels of a single heart, the interests of the whole world. How? How is it possible? By some miracle of God's grace, he makes it possible for us to have the capacity to love as he loves. There's no human, there's no human uh, ability to, to, to even describe that. It's beyond description, but it's a reality of God's people that he pours his spirit into our lives. It says God pours his spirit into our hearts. He pours his love into our hearts. And, um, and John 3.16, that nature of God to love becomes part of our nature. God so loved the world. So we talk about, you know, uh, um, and one, our vision as a church is to be a church that impacts our community and the world. That is, that is our vision as a church. And only a radical shift from what we value to what God values will cause that impact, that global impact to take place. It's a shift in values. And so we know, uh, verse 1 John 3, 14 says, we know that we pass from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. We love each other. We know we've passed from death to life because we love each other. It's the love of God. It's that shift in values. What's important to you, God? What's a priority? What are your priorities for my life? And how can I get on board with that with you? How can I come, how can I come alongside people who maybe, yeah, I would not be drawn to but by God's grace, I can reach out to. So it's a shift in values. Um, and there's another quote I want to read here about, it's John Piper. And he, he was, he's writing in the, um, about patriotism and Christianity and patriotism. How many of you are, are patriotic people? I'm a patriotic person. I, I, I believe... Uh, in the cause and um, of of our nation, and I believe that uh, I'm proud of our nation. I think there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot to be fed up with as well. But but we have to balance patriotism to what 
kingdom values are. And if there, and so I think there's a real, um, there's a Piper has a real good word for us um, patriotic Christians because um, we. It talks about balance, and he says this. He says, our stance should be, we are Christians first, and as challenges come to our culture from within and from without. How many of you know we are facing a lot of challenges in our culture from within and from without? As these challenges come, not just we bring kingdom values to bear on these challenges, okay? Not just earthly preferences. In other words, these earthly loves of friend, and sex and affections for country and for our favorite slippers, he says, are ordered and kept in their proper place by a superior allegiance to God. Our love for God is primary. Only the value of our King, God, Jesus, can bring a right ordering of the value of our earthly loves. Only our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly patriotism can order our earthly patriotism. And I think that's good. That that last sentence kind of just brings it all down for me. Only our heavenly father, our heavenly patriotism can order our earthly patriotism. So kingdom values first. God, as he works in us personally and among us collectively, is transforming our hearts. He's convicting us of prejudices, removing barriers that were once there, just like he was doing in the life of Peter and like he's done for his people throughout the ages. He's creating in us a capacity to love as he loves. He wants to do that. He desires to do that, to value what he values and uh, what he gave his son for. So going global requires a shift in what we value based on personal biases personal preferences and tradition to what is near and dear to the heart of God. So the third point here is divine interruptions. And uh, I love, as, as you read on here, um, Peter pulls out his best sermon, and he begins to speak to the household of Cornelius. And in the middle of that great sermon, an interruption happens, a divine interruption. Going global is about divine interruptions. It's about seeing God move in ways that may surprise us. But I think that as we step out and are obedient to God and what he has for us, and and as we begin to speak out, as we begin to share our faith, as we begin to step out of our comfort zones, those interruptions will become more and more common. Not, not, not commonplace, or, or, or they will always be awe-inspiring to me. But when God intervenes, when God, when God steps in, like in this situation, that's what glowing, going global is all about. That's what, that's what takes it from a, um, a, from a man's agenda to God's agenda. And so God wasn't fi- finished here taking initiative. He's interrupting Peter's sermon in order to fulfill the prophetic word that he would pour out his... F- his spirit on all flesh. That was uh, a prophecy from, uh, from, jo- uh, from the book of Joel. <clears throat> so here in Acts 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Again, fulfillment of God's promise in the book of Joel, chapter 2. 
where he says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens, on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And listen to this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No one is left out of the opportunity for salvation. So I love the fact that God is faithful to his promises. I love the fact that he fulfills his word. And when we go global, God will take care of the details and even use holy interruptions to do it, right? He, I, I love those holy interruptions. And he'll come in at times of worship. He'll come in at t- times of conversations uh, and just just be there. And I love, I, I do a lot of one-on-one um, with, with my coaching. And <clears throat> I, lo- I always invite the Holy Spirit into that coaching conversation. And you never know what God is going to do. And I always tell those that I'm coaching, I'm going to be silent maybe sometimes and just let you hang out there. And, and, and you know, I'm not afraid of silence. I'm not afraid of that. And uh, let's see what God says in that silence. And so I just love how God can interrupt times and, and bring in his, his presence in ways that are just one-on-one or with us as a people or wherever. Right now, where the youth are gathered, he's probably doing something incredible. And I just, I love the fact that God is in the business of holy interruptions, divine visitations upon his people. That's made all the difference here. If that wouldn't have happened, you know, nice little visit. Peter walks out of Cornelius's house and really nothing has changed. But because God visited his people, because God showed up, that made all the difference. May we always have that awareness and that expectancy for God to show up and, and shift things around, change things around, and make it uncomfortable for us, whatever, whatever he desires to do. We're never, we're never alone in evangelism. We're never alone. Sharing Christ is partnership with the Spirit, and he's the one who imparts power, wisdom, discernment, instruction, and uh, we partner. We partner with the best, the best. So prayer sets the stage. That's my fourth point. And <clears throat> notice here, as you go throughout this chapter, and we haven't read the whole chapter. We just take taken snippets tonight. But as you read that, you'll notice how prayer sets off a ch- series of chain reactions here. And it's the prayer of Cornelius, a Gentile, and it's the prayers of Peter. But and so we're we're told that in that Cornelius gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So there was this prayer life that even this Gentile uh, who wasn't yet in the kingdom, he cultivated. He cultivated this prayer life. He prayed to God regularly. So there was, there was a seeker. He was a disciple before he was a believer. How many of you believe that can happen? People are dis- can become disciples. They start following before they actually commit before they actually come into relationship. And that's was what Cornelius was a disciple before he was uh, a full-on believer. And uh, that's why as you look at the book of John and, and you see this, these conversations that are taking place in the book of John, when, Peter, when, J- when John the Baptist is, is introducing his disciples to Jesus and saying, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he's, he's trying to t- 
to direct their attention to Jesus. And, uh, and the disciples, he starts stirring up this hunger and desire and this expectancy. And some of the disciples say, they come to Jesus, some of John's disciples, and they say, Rabbi, where, he, Jesus kind of turns around and says, what, what do you want? I don't think he said it that way, but what, what, what do you want? Uh, you know, and, and they, they say, where are you staying? That's what they, that was their, that was their, that was their desire, just to spend time with Jesus. They want to, they sp- it says, it goes on to say they spent the day with him. They weren't yet following him, but they became disciples from that point on. Of, they became learners. That's all really disciple means, a learner. And so, so there's this, uh, I don't know what, how I got off on that, but prayer sets the stage. Prayer sets the stage. Cornelius and Peter uh, and, and how God brings all of that together. And, and they put feet to their prayers. It wasn't just prayer, but they, they acted on, those, on, on what God did in prayer, through prayer. And as a result, it all came together for a, a holy visitation. So um, this is why abiding in Christ um, is, is this really the springboard for effective evangelism. To abide in him, to be with him, to be with Jesus, it's the springboard. It's, if we know him, to know him is to actually uh, get excited about sharing him. If I don't know somebody, I really can't introduce that person to someone else adequately, right? So uh, we get excited about knowing Jesus as we spend time with him and, and get to learn things about his character. And, and so that's why we're going to be focusing more um, on prayer in, on our Tuesday nights as well. We're going to dedicate more time to, to prayer as well as, as uh, Pastor has uh, shared, and, and that's on his heart. So uh, while, while, while you are abiding in him, while we are abiding in him, he is lining up appointments. So uh, be ready. I love the fact that, you know, this, this whole, and as we close here tonight, um, God, this, this wasn't the end to the, to the they're, they're, they got, the church still had to overcome a lot of obstacles. We, we, even in the next chapter, Peter had to explain himself to, to the leaders of the church, his actions, going into the home of a Gentile, and, you know, he had to explain himself, and, and there was, uh, and there was so initial the, after that, and that's in the next chapter. And then we see, even, and then go on to a few chapters later in Acts 15, we see that the Jerusalem Council meets, and there's 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 all this discussion about what the Gentiles should be allowed and allowed not to do, and and all of this. So it's it wasn't just uh, all neat and tidy, but there was a breakthrough here. Acts 10 is a breakthrough that had never happened before and it's awesome to see what God did in that time there are going to be continue to be challenges there's going to be challenges for us to have that global focus to have a global mindset um, to to be accepting of of those that may be different to whatever God has challenged we all have personal biases and preferences and and we're going to have to allow God to, to create this big value shift in our lives. And uh, he's doing that patiently and working in our lives. And, but the church was tempted here even to, to continue focus inward um, and return to the status quo. Um, and we will be too. Um, 
especially in a time of change, a lot of change, a lot of restructuring, um, we sometimes will go, well, this is uncomfortable, let's go back to you know, the way it was. It's the, it's the neutral zone, we call it, when the old is not really working, but the new has not yet been fully, we're not totally engaged in the new, that's transition. That's the neutral zone of transition. And so it gets uncomfortable, and so we're not really sure about things. So, but it's also an exciting time as we see God begin to roll out new things and, and, and uh, move in new ways. So um, I'm just asking these questions as we close tonight. Maybe we could close with a song, Bill, and, um, and let that be our, our, um, our dismissal tonight, just a, a, one, one, a, a song. And then um, I would like to just uh, close with these questions. And as we're singing, you could just be looking at the screen and maybe reflecting on those as well. Um, but here are these questions. Be, what could be possible if we begin to flow more in God's initiative and less in man's? What could be possible if we allow our values to be radically realigned with his? What could be possible if God's holy interruptions become more of the rule rather than the exception? What could be possible if our individual and corporate lives center more around prayer? talked about Exodus. Uh, Pastor's been talking a lot, and as a church, we've talked a lot about Exodus this year, the year of Exodus and what that means. But one thing that stands out to me as I look at the Israelites' Exodus out of Egypt is that um, there's a little snippet in there, and you'll miss it if you if if you're not if, you know if you're not if you're not careful, you'll miss this little snippet, which I love because all these all these. Jews, 600,000 plus women, so probably a million Jews come out of Egypt, and it says in Exodus 12, verse 38, many other people went up with them as well out of Egypt. Many other people. There's that still others again. Still others. So God was doing it. God was connecting his people with with, uh, cultures and, and nations outside of their own with the hope that they would get it, really get it. I think we get it tonight. But let it be ingrained in our hearts that God so loved the world that he gave. Still others, he has still others he wants in the kingdom tonight. What if some of these things could, could be possible? And I believe they can. Let's sing together and close our time with that.